Do you have it muted first? I can see my little hands do this. No, there's, oh. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, there's sound. <laughs> so this is just frustrating so what ricky has been saying so now they can hear is me we have been having Ricky has had a lot of technical technical difficulties, and that's what happens when you skip a week. Yeah, skip a week, and then you come out into your office and find your mixer has been played with. Uh, just saying. My mixer has been touched, and therefore uh, buttons were turned off, and that um, kind of messes things up. Anyways. I like that elf on the shelf. Yeah. They're always getting into it. So let's start this over. Welcome to G220 <laughs> Radio. This is uh, Ricky Gantz with Mike Miller and Nathaniel Porter. And so uh, we are G220 Radio. This is episode number 460. We're going to be dealing with Proverbs chapter 11. And this one is titled, A Winner of Souls is Wise. A Winner of Souls is Wise. And so... Obviously, was trying to see Mike. How are you doing? You know, how are you this week? Yeah, doing pretty good. As I mentioned before, um, it's been a little strange. Kind of start to December, half my church has COVID, and so it's getting kind of tense. We're still meeting, um, but we've kind of reduced our um, togetherness. And so I think my pastor said there was like nine families mm. or so that have COVID. And so, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's always a threat, but it's kind of more of a real threat. Like it's actually affecting people that are, that I'm somewhat close to. So, but yeah. So that's kind of been my December so far. Yeah. That actually uh, happened to us this week. We were, uh, in our process of searching for a new church, we were going to go visit a friend's church who had invited us a few weeks back. And this week we was going to go out there and visit them. And it was on me because I did not send him a message the night before. I waited till that morning and said, hey, what time does your service start just to make sure? You know, and he said, because I, I looked it up online, but because of COVID, I know that um, some churches have made adjustments to what they they normally do. Uh, either they don't do a Sunday school or they do do a Sunday school or whatever it may be. And so I just wanted to make sure because I figured I knew we would get there on time because it's not that far from us. But then he says, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, we're our pastor has COVID and some other members in the church have COVID. And so we're kind of 
shut down for a couple of weeks until that passes. And so we ended up going to uh, a church that is close to us that uh, we would be able to make their services because I started looking online at all the ones that are close. What time do they start? And, you know, and, and we found an independent fundamentalist, really Southern, not Southern Baptist as SBC, but independent fundamentalist, Southern style uh, Baptist church. And so uh, we ended up going there. Um, but uh, anyways, Nathaniel, how you doing, man? Just sitting there, you know, listening to what's going on. How, how's your week been? Because I know you guys didn't have church either. No, no, we didn't have church. It was awful. Still awful. Um, we had our catechism study last night, though. Me and a couple guys, and it was a good time. I had a good time, prayed prayed some prayers, and learned about sanctification. Good stuff. Yeah. So we will ask all those that are out there and we will ourselves pray for those who are experiencing uh, some issues with people in, in these churches that are getting COVID and it's kind of becoming a hindrance on some people being able to meet. Uh, I know that, that it's not that those who are unable to meet are doing so because they just want to bow down to the government, but when you have... Uh, elders and pastors getting COVID and people within the church, you want to kind of protect them. And so those are some of the things we're seeing. And so we will definitely keep you in prayer. If that's something you're experiencing, we would ask you to keep us in prayer as well as, as uh, Mike was mentioning here, his church and Nathaniel with his, uh, and we are in that search. And so it makes it a little difficult. Uh, as we said, this is Proverbs chapter 11, which we're going to do here tonight. I feel like I lost my mojo getting started because of all the technical difficulties. I was ready to go, and I had it all in my mind, prepared, planned <laughs> out. This is how we're going to get this show kicked off and started. And then technical difficulties just kind of humble you <laughs> to realize you're not uh, uh, able to sometimes plan for the things that you think the way that they're going to go. Uh, and, and that just kind of happens in the the world of technology in which we live. But we're here now, and we know that you are with us. We can see those who are, are with us, and so we, we thank you for tuning in. Hopefully this will be an edifying and encouraging program for you, as hopefully all of the series that we've been doing on Proverbs, and you can find those past uh, episodes on G220 Radio, either on our YouTube page, or you can subscribe to us and listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podbean, wherever you listen to them. We we are on Podbean, but you can listen at any, uh, what do you call them? Podcast. Podcatcher. 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 That you enjoy. Podcatcher. Which should should only be Pocketcast because that's the greatest of them all. Yeah. And now that's the one that catches them all in, right? Brings them all in. Yeah, that's what you use to listen to podcasts. Yeah. It catches them, yeah. Podcatcher. Podcatcher. There you go. All right, so Proverbs 11, a winner of (laughs) souls. We're going to get right into this. We're going to go ahead and read this, and I will be reading out of the ESV. Um, And uh, we're going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. So um, I think we will... I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. All right. All right. All right. All right. So Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11, reading from the ESV. 
A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with a humble, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Riches do not profit in the day of the of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and the wicked walks into it instead. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. By the blessings of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. Whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm. But he who hates striking hands is pledge, or in pledge is secure. A gracious woman gets honor and a violent man gets riches. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. Those of crooked hearts are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back gain, grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever, whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. Uh, that is uh, the reading of Proverbs chapter 11. I pray God uh, would bless the reading of his word. And now we're going to go ahead and get into conversating about this chapter here in Proverbs. So going back even to the to, to the verse uh, first first one that we got here, uh, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. Uh, who would like to uh, kick us off? <clears throat> I don't know what it seems like we have based on my glancing over the commentary before we started. Uh, we have for the first uh, 21 verses is basically uh, what is uh, loathsome to God. 
and we have uh, alternating uh, chiasms with uh, inclusio, not inclusio, parallel pairs uh, in between. Uh, it's reverse 21. And then um, that's followed by two inclusios. Um, Mike, would you explain what all that means to us? You're muted. That was intentional. What do you mean talking about what an inclusio is? Yeah, tell us what an inclusio chiasmus parallel pair Chiasic. is for those of us who haven't been to, been to seminary. Well, those are big words. Um, an inclusio, the best way to think about it is um, bookends on your bookshelf. And they kind of, they're on either side. So in this case, verse 1 and verse 20. And the idea of ab um, abomination and delight is the language used here. And it provides a framework in which kind of the rest of the verses in it is seen. It helps provide context and stuff, context and meaning. So that there is, while the, the meaning of the individual proverb, it fits in a larger meaning that comes into it, this inclusio. And then within this inclusio in our passage, you have what they'll say is chiastic. Um, chiasm is not what we really use. Um, it's a lot more prevalent. Sometimes biblical scholars like to invent chiasms where chiasms don't exist. So it's kind of one of those things we need to be part of. But what it is, is you have, it's kind of like climbing a mountain. Um, or in an argument that you have a step and you're, you're, if you're climbing up, you're going up one side of the mountain and then you have to come back down. Now, how we portray this is this mountain is sideways. And so you walk from the top and you step in and you step in kind of with indents and whatever is the center point. So either it's going to be one point or it's going to be the top, the last two points is the main point of the passage and then they repeat themselves back on the way down. So a lot of times you'll see, hear this played out as A and A prime is the first step. And B and B prime is the second step. And then you could have a C or a C and C prime or a D. You can kind of see how it is. And that's kind of how it, how it develops. So it's almost like you have these inclusios that are in, keep getting smaller and smaller mm. to the main point. Um with it a parallel proverb pair is just that it's a parallel you have those that are contrast those are similar and how they do it um an example not in here but in proverbs 13 um you have this a hope um a hope deferred makes a heart sick but a desire fulfilled is like a tree of life and those are parallel sta statements with hope and desires being the same. They're contrasting in that they have different verbs that go through different consequences. Parallels, those would all be the same and how it works. And so those are your kind of your um, proverb hairs on, and how they work. They're, they go together. They match with each other. And either they're going to contrast or they're going to emphasize each other 
by explaining the same thing. Nice. Well, one of the things here with, with uh, verse 1, where it talks about uh, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but the just weight is his delight. You know, as I was kind of looking this up uh, and, and kind of digging into this, you know, it, it brings up to mind the measurements when somebody has a measuring tool and they play around with it to cheat people, right? right. So you have this, a false balance here. Uh, you know, it's, it's fraudulent practices that happens. Uh, <clears throat> and, and those things are forbidden from the, by the Lord. Uh, where a just weight, you know, if you're doing justly, whether it's in your dealings with other men or, or uh, you know, it's, it's within the church, you're doing things justly, uh, this is a delight unto the Lord. And so you, you have, I'm seeing, you know, throughout, as I was reading these, these contrasts where you, you have that, this is an abomination, but this the Lord, the Lord delights in. And, and as we continue to go through each verse, you see this contrast back and forth. Right. Yeah. And to consider while this has a very much a money mentality, um, we should see that again, the proverb explains itself in other ways. So this works out in how we maybe cheat people in different mm -hmm. ways and in, have different injustices with them. And that this is something God hates mm. and to connect it, you know, again, I think while the money is the emphasis of it, you see it, riches do not profit in the day of the wrath, but righteousness delivers um, in death that there is something more to this to think about and to go that God is a God who is just, he does not do things. He can't be bribed and he can't be, um, he won't be lax inappropriately. He, he, he makes the laws and he gives out the punishments related to him. And he's just in doing that. And to, to think about, um, not only that, how we go about and thinking just in our interactions with people. Do I try to get the upper end to create some sort of imbalance, injustice between me and another person? And this chiefly makes out when people are using wrong scales to steal money. Mm -hmm. But we do that by having maybe wrong scales of rules mm. mercy for me justice for another person it can be the same thing you hear it say do what i say but don't do what i do this kind of hypocrisy um with it yeah and so we need to to think uh, about that that you know a false balance mm -hmm. in this scale hurts it it comes back down to and we'll see it the idea of life and that i mean it's an abomination to the lord well, what happens when you commit abominations to the lord lord judges you and so you know, we'll mention judgment later on as we go through this passage but just to think just not only dealing with our money but how do we live our lives that are in ways 
uh, hypocrisy and some sort of hypocrisy. Yeah. Now that that's a good point there. You, you, you made there with the fact that we, <clears throat> cause how often do we do this when we, when we see somebody do something uh, unjust, you know, especially if it affects us, we want them to receive just penalty, right? We want their, their, them to really get their end of that, you know, judgment that comes upon them. But we fail to do that and recognize that in ourselves and, and, and want to take the same type of, of weight there for our own actions. You know, it's easy to, to throw that onto somebody else and say, well, they, they should get this. But then when we start looking at the fact that we are just as guilty, uh, equally so, and maybe in, in, in many ways, uh, <clears throat> we're not looking for that punishment. You know, we, we don't want that judgment to come down upon us. But as it says, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And we know that he is just and we know that he is righteous and he will always do uh, what is right. Yeah, I mean, this has more more application as well, even practically. Uh, as each one of us engage in num numerous transactions throughout the day, whether it's uh, hitting the time clock at work or uh, stopping at the gas station to buy, fill your car up, um, just thinking about applying it at work, maybe you're buying and selling. Um, you don't want to use dishonest business practices. Maybe you uh, are just checking in for an eight-hour shift. And rather than giving your honest best for a full day's work, you're sloughing off and taking a lot of breaks, not giving eight hours worth of work for eight hours worth of pay. So, I mean, um, this really can be applicable to wide variety of things in our lives. Yeah. All right. So verse two here, when pride comes, then disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. And I, and I, I think it's, it's pretty obvious that, you know, like when we, when we think about this pride comes, then comes disgrace. It's kind of like these go together. Uh, one follows right after the other, how often, and even the other proverb that says, you know, uh, pride comes before the fall. Right. So this is just a, a reality that we can look at. We, we see these general principles in, in the Proverbs, you know, and not all, now there are exceptions at times, but these are general principles that we, we can see from the Proverbs. And this is something that we see it comes to pass, you know, um, quite often where uh, there's that pride in an area and then you're put to shame because of the pride. I mean, I, I'm just going to use it for example of, of boxers. We see this. Uh, I know we did a show on, on, you know, fighting UFC stuff a while back. But how often do we see some of these boxers get out there and very pridefully get up there and, and just in their pride, they're, they're, they're ranting and raving and talking all kinds of smack. And then they get in the ring and they get knocked out in the first round, you know, um, because here they are talking all this stuff in their pride. And then they're put to shame in that first round. Or the times where you thought you did really well in the test, you're really excited and you're like bragging, man, I nailed that test. And then you get like a seat, mm. you know, or, but that's just, I mean, <clears throat> we can have an example, but I mean, think about Pharaoh. Pharaoh has pride in his heart. He will not bow the knee um, to Moses, who is the mediator between him and God, who is God is telling him, 
let my people go. And it's his pride that holds them back. And what happens? He gets destroyed, but not just him. The people he represents is destroyed. The The land is is cursed during this time. And we can see the Bible is very clear in stories after stories that pride kills. Mm. And that good leaders aren't prideful leaders. You know, what is Joshua supposed to do to lead these people into the um, Israel, into the promised land? At least to read the Bible and accept it as God's word. That takes humility. And there's wisdom in there. You think about the theme verse of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, to, to fear the Lord, you have to come at him humbly. And to know your place, that you're the creature and he's the creator. Let alone that we've fallen short of what it is to even access him on his throne since he is holy and cannot have sin in his sight. And so this verse really, in a sense, shouldn't have to be said if we take the Bible at, at its word in the stories. We should pick that up. But we're sinful people. And God has graciously given this verse so that we can see our error and see um, that rebellion comes from pride in a sense. And that's why the contrast is the humble is wisdom. It's to, to consider it doesn't, it's in a position as we'll see later on that we'll have many counselors. It doesn't think their ideas, the best or their ways, the only way, but to, to consider and to gather yeah. pride pushes that away. And so to, to think about pride and in a sense, the chiefest of all sins, as we've probably heard many times. All right, let's move on to verse three here. We've got the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. So, I mean, what what we have, uh, sort of, so moving right along, we've got several sins um, coming in, as sins tend to come in bunches. We have a false balance, pride, uh, and crookedness uh, of the treacherous uh, coming in a, coming in hot with a three sin bunch. Uh, proud man is not above using false weights and measures and neither is he above being crookedness, crooked or uh, treacherous. So um, basically um, in, in this, in this verse, even though um, integrity is, it's like, uh, it's like, I'm always, I'm always talking about, uh, always this fear everyone has this fear of being god's the judge we all know this in our hearts and if you are in your integrity you never have this uh fear of somebody finding you out you don't have to worry about 
if your lie is going to be found out, if your phoniness is going to be found out because you have walked in integrity, whereas uh, the, the treacherous um, is walking by hooking and by crook, by dishonest means, um, that he's been arrogant, uh, does, has been watching where he's stepping, and uh, it, all, it all catches up with him, and, he, and, he, and it catches him in his own trap. It's kind of like in uh, the Proverbs, I forget. Uh, oh, we're in the Proverbs. It's earlier in the book where uh, father's uh, pleading, pleading with uh, his son not to join with, with that bad band of individuals who uh, lay in wait for their own blood. It's uh, another uh, Haman getting hung on his own gallows kind of situation. Yeah. All right, let's move on to verse four. Uh, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. I think we 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 all can. <clears throat> I mean, we all can kind of grasp and understand this. How often do we hear it said that you know you don't see uh, a at a funeral somebody pulling a hearse? You know, you don't see the what do you call it? the well the hearse pulling a U-Haul? That's what that's what yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. right? So <clears throat> you can't take your riches with you. They don't profit anything in the day of wrath. On the day of judgment, you're not going to be able to take your riches and use them to buy you any favor with God. Uh, any worldly gain that you may have acquired on the day of wrath, on the day of judgment before God, you're not going to be able to use those as some type of, of making peace with God because of the wealth that you have obtained or the things you've obtained in this life or status, you know, whether you've become president of the United States or king of some other country, you're not going to be able to use those things on that day of judgment. Um, <clears throat> that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And think about, I mean, my mind kind of goes to Ecclesiastes. Mm when you start thinking about this when solomon talks about how he chases the riches and i mean this will come up a little bit later also in in what happens and what giving and storing up and the comp and the contrast those are but you know Going after riches, you know, doesn't profit. As we mentioned, the way you come into this world is the way you leave this world. And going after riches, and we'll just put it out there, the love of riches is the root of all kind of evil. And one who searches for riches, who who goes and that's their focus in the end there's a sense in which i'm gonna make a couple bucks maybe we'll lighten up this weight a little bit let's shave a little bit off and see if people will know or in why the tax collectors in the time of jesus was so hated was they took abundantly because that's how they got their wages with it. And so, and I think we see this, this fleetingness of riches. I mean, talk about Kobe Bryant, you know, multi million dollar 
contracts in the NBA. Big contracts with Nike. In the end, he left with nothing. What did it accomplish to have all that money? I think, and that's where Ecclesiastes helps us to think about this. Because in the end, what the author of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, comes out is fear God, do what he commands. That's what this life is about. That's how you um, thrive in this life. And so to, to think about that, which is contrast. So if riches and maybe lighting up those weights a little bit, well, what delivers you from death? Well, it's righteousness because you'll be vindicated before God. He can see you as upright. Now we know as humans, we are fallen. We need someone's el- someone else's righteousness to cover us so that we can be saved from our sins. But his righteousness delivers us from not a physical death, but our spiritual death. Yeah. And so we see here what, what matters more, the things of the world or kind of the spiritual aspects or just the, your spiritual nature and your position before God. And I think we see that here too in verses five and six, you know, the same kind of contrast here uh, where verse five, the righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. In verse six, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. And so as Mike had already stated, you know, uh, this righteousness is not something that we have in and of ourselves. It's it's the fact that when we are in Christ, who is righteous and he becomes our righteousness, then those things that we do, we are are then seeking to obey his law. We're seeking to follow after him. To de- We desire the things of Christ. Um, and so that's why we can say and read this scripture and the righteousness of of or the righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight. Why? Because we're walking in that righteousness of Christ. We're trying, we're seeking to des- and desiring to be pleasing to the Lord. Um, because that's God doing a work in our heart. Same with verse six, the righteousness of the upright delivers them. Even when you go back to verse four, when it says the righteousness delivers from death. Again, our, uh, trying to earn some type of righteousness in our own good deeds. If you want to you know, put hashtags around good because there's none good right? It's not going to achieve us anything, but in that righteousness of Christ, right? His righteousness delivers us from death. All right. If, if you guys have nothing, we'll move on to verse seven here. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish and the expectation of the wealth perishes too. It kind of goes back to even what we've said already in, in verse four. So we'll continue to keep going here. Uh, and try to make up some time. Uh, the righteous is delivered from trouble and the wicked walks into it instead. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, just kind of pause here. That's kind of, you know, the righteous is delivered from trouble, but the wicked walks right into it. I mean, did you have something there, Nathaniel? No, I was just agreeing. Yeah. This kind of reminds me thinking through when Peter talks about persecution and and first peter and he goes in 
talk about look if you walk blamelessly and you're persecuted for what you believe you're persecuted for the faith you know you you don't need to worry about anything and that they're going against you and if they bring charges up against you if you've done nothing wrong and they take you to court it's going to be thrown out we see this in the example of paul where they don't have the evidence to charge him in fact the jews try to kill him and yet he walked blameless even to the in the law in the old covenant as he was going into the temple before he was arrested by the jews he was walking blamelessly yeah they brought a false charge off on them and they were found to be wrong they were and so to think about the righteousness is delivered from trouble there's a sense in which in this life that can happen unless the courts are corrupt but then you know as we mentioned earlier when we have the long view when we consider the spiritual state those who are covered by the righteousness of christ will be delivered from the second death and the eternal torment in which comes in hell but the wicked walks into it because they desire it they want it and they finally get their heart's desire yeah a world in which they hate god and his goodness is you know away from them they don't get to experience it anymore and I got I got two examples. Actually, Nathaniel brought this one up earlier. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, when you speak about in, in the book of Esther, Mordecai, you know, Haman is building these gallows to end Mordecai's life. And then he goes in there with all this pride and he's hung on the his own gallow, right? That he made for, for Mordecai. He walks right into it. Then the other is is Daniel when he's delivered from the lion's den. And then where does his accusers go? In the lion's den, you know. So those are just a couple of examples uh, that I had here in my notes. All right, let's move on to uh, verse nine. Uh, when his mouth and godless, when when his mouth, the god with his mouth, excuse me, uh, with his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. You know, and and so, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say through uh, nine through twelve. Uh, actually, really, thirteen even, um, really highlights the uh, the destructive and uh, constructive power of the tongue. Uh, we see see in verse nine begins with uh, like the godless man uh, destroys his, destroys his neighbor with his mouth. Uh, you see this in um, Jesus even talks about about the the sin of murder in your heart as it comes comes forth with. Uh, calling somebody a fool and then calling them a, a worthless good for nothing. Um, and, and the liability that that brings on you um, in terms of uh, the sixth commandment. So uh, verse nine, the, the wicked's destroying uh, his neighbor. Uh, the uh, And that, that kind of con concludes in verse uh, 13. He goes about, he goes about spreading gossip. Um, reveals secrets, and you see how a city is torn torn down 
um, by the, even the mouth of the wicked. So um, there's a much destructive power uh, in, the, in the tongue and they're wise and shrewd uh, know when to hold their peace as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, James brings this out about how the tongue is the smallest member, yet it boasts of great things. He compares it how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, standing the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and setting on fire by hell. When we think about our tongues and what we said, I mean, as Jesus said, what defiles us but what comes out of our mouth it's the words we say the things we do and when we consider the the power of our mouths you know there's reasons why we have modern damn proverbs about watching our tongues you know think before you speak with mentality because it causes a lot of harms. How much destruction has happened just this year alone because of people, maybe not intentionally, but have lied, have not presented the facts properly. And that's during the nature, but just, you know, politics in an homeowners association it's the most basic part of it and the gossip of that they make shows out of now to to flaunt and to to put out and yet it's destructive and it, it kills and it destroys yeah it's what the serpent does yeah when we look at it and so that's why it's a blessing for the upright in a city to be exalted because they bring truth. That's why it goes well when the righteous, or the city rejoices with the righteous and also shouts of gladness with the wicked because it makes it better. There's a better life. There's flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know language I use quite a bit when we talk about, you know, Proverbs. But that's well, look really... At- you know think about it yeah look at look at during the time of constantine right political regardless of whatever those watching think of whether constantine was a believer or not a believer when you when you make christianity the the religion of the people the persecution was no longer there so they can rejoice in that you know i mean obviously christians are always persecuted to some degree uh, shape or form, but I mean, the, there that wasn't what we were seeing in that first couple centuries, you know, the, where the Christians were just being, uh, you know, destroyed for being Christians. Now it's kind of accepted in this time, and, and other things kind of come about because of that. It's not our show tonight, but uh, obviously the, they can rejoice in the fact that now you have a leader who is allowing you to worship freely. And then we see so much of how the church does things today kind of begin to form because now they have time. They don't, they're not running 
they're not under the persecution. They can start to come together and meet together in, in houses of worship and start to work on those doctrines of within the church. You know what I mean? Because they can rejoice in that, having that. You know, some other things here, as you, as you was talking about this, you know, this this whole passage or section as Nathaniel brought up dealing with the tongue. Um, I think you was talking about in politics and in, in, in 2020, so many things. But think about it with even within a family, when you have that family member who you say something to and then they go and tell everybody else in the family. Pretty soon, nobody wants to talk or communicate with that family member because all they do is go and gossip to everybody else around you. And even worse so within the church, and if it's with elders or leaders within the church. Uh, I don't know how many times, uh, and I'm, I won't say any names, but I don't know how many times I've been around people that are pastors or elders within a church, and they start telling you about something somebody has said to them, either in confidence or they're using it in trying to, uh, to counsel you and they're bringing something up. It's like, I don't want to know about that person's situation or business, you know, um, because what is it doing? You know, as it says there in verse 13, whoever goes about slandering reveals secret. You want to have somebody within the church, whether it's especially with your elders, your pastors, uh, and, and then even the, the laymen that are around you, the brothers and sisters around you, you want to have brothers and sisters that are trustworthy so that you know that when you are telling them things, they're going to pray for you and seek to help you, and, and they're trustworthy there. They're not going to use that to then go around and reveal it to other people to kind of, you know, like, what do they say that the, the little old lady in the uh, the prayer room who's telling everybody, they this so-and-so needs prayer for blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Um, where it's not because they're actually caring for it. They just want to let everybody know what's going on. And that's that's just not something we would want to do as Christians um, because we see how much this destroys destroys families, it destroys churches, it destroys people within the church, people get bitter, uh, it destroys, like you brought up with, with 2020, see how much we see with lies going going on just in, in, in our nation this year. So many things we can learn from this. All right, so let's go to verse 14 here. Uh, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And Mike, you brought this up earlier, said we're going to get to this uh, later on down the road here. And here we are now, verse 14. Yeah, I think that um, commentary um, looked at this, put this on natural, a national and prudence and personal prudence, but um, connecting it with verses, with 15. But when we, we think about just this the when there's no guidance so people fall abundance of counselors there is safety to think about just just talk about in, in america and our constitutional republic and that we have a president who brings aids in and helps out and appoints secretaries um to help him govern to as as the representative of america to do what he thinks or what they think is right you don't want a president who's kind of a lone ranger and doing whatever they want that's a dictatorship and we've seen what that happens um germany in the 40s 30s and 40s 
North Korea, China, the USSR slash Russia. Um, and so there is obviously there's more to this. You need to make sure your counselors are ones who are going to be loyal and helpful in some of the other qualities we've talked about. But even in like when people don't know what to do, we, we do this more often probably think you're not quite what to do. Well, you get help, you get guidance and you might seek it out. Maybe not personally with someone close to you, but if you need help putting up drywall, you go to YouTube. Like this is still kind of a part of what we do. And we see this and it's important to consider that you need other people in your life helping you out to make good decisions because here in verse 15 is whoever puts up a security that is a deposit, a guarantee for a stranger will surely suffer harm. It will come back and it would hurt him. And in our credit-driven society, I mean, that could hurt your credit and that hurts what you may or may not be able to buy if you don't do the Dave Ramsey thing and buy everything with cold hard cash. But so there, you we need guidance. We need help. And that's why discipleship in the spiritual areas of our life is important so that we can go through this valley of death navigating it but staying on the path going neither to the right or to the left and to continue to grow in holiness and so yeah. this is important to think about just not even in our own practical day-to-day -day living but also in a spiritual sense in which we're called to grow yeah and and i think we see this as uh, we all believe in a plurality of elders within the church because then you don't have one dictator, one one person kind of making the rule of things. You have a multitude of people and they may disagree. They may all be in agreement. And that would kind of make your, your decision kind of more confident. Well, we want to do this and we're all in agreement in this. But then there may be people that disagree and they may discuss those things and have reasons why they think they should go about something this way or that way. And it gives you more to think upon. Um, and as you were saying, just in our spiritual life, you know, when, when I have decisions or things that I'm trying to work through or, or understand or seek guidance, it's good to go to a multitude of people to get information because one person might just be all for you in, in everything you say they're in agreement. Well, you don't always want that. You want to hear from people that are, are looking out for your best interest. And at times, maybe you have to tell you, you know, you're, that your thinking is wrong there and here's what you should do in this, whatever the situation may be. And so you need that. Uh, as, as a believer, we all need that. We need to have that, that uh, counsel from many, many counselors uh, to where we can get good sound advice and make the most informed decision about what we may have to uh, decide on. You already brought up uh, verse 15, uh, so we'll go over here to verse 16, which should be pretty, pretty cut and dry, simple. Uh, but again, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put it out here. A gracious woman gets honor and a violent man gets riches. I told this to my wife earlier when she came in here. Uh, I said, you know, gracious woman retaineth honor. <laughs> so a woman of grace. You know. Any thoughts or comments on this one here? 
I think you see this contrast of one who's who's gracious as opposed to a violent man, you know. Um, yeah, these kind of go together with uh, uh, sixteen, or I mean sixteen and seventeen. The the ruthless man does get honor, uh, but at the same time, the parallelism of verse seventeen, the cruel man does himself harm. So even though he um, gets all these riches. He's really doing harm to himself, um, if not in this life, in in the one to come. Uh, the merciful man does himself good. So we have a woman who attains honor. Uh, the merciful man does himself good. Um, kind of like parallel, the parallelism there. It uh, makes it flow, flow together, um, so that we don't just think that the the ruthless man, yay, gets riches. But um, if we if we read that as just one verse, we might be discouraged. Um, but reading it uh, together with its twin, um, we're a little bit more encouraged that uh, even though this ruthless guy is getting a bunch of stuff in this life, it's uh, only temporary. All right, so let's move on to verse 18 here. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. I think we're kind of on the same line there uh, with what All Nathaniel right. was just saying. Yeah, this, even even when we go back to, um, yeah. Doesn't need to go back anywhere. I changed my mind. I mean, we've mentioned it. You started, we kind of started off the beginning of the show with unjust weights and what that mm -hmm. means and, and the money. So again, we see if wicked earns deceptive or yeah, deceptive wages. They're not earned rightly. So there's a sense in which they're they've been earned you know, earned wrongly. And but even Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I, what comes to mind right now, we're in this season of holiday and festivities and, you know, Christmas season. Right. And and what comes to mind here for me when we're talking about this is Scrooge. Here's a man who, you know, earns all this money, but it's at the expense of everybody else. So he suffers. He has no friends. He has no no joy in his life, no peace in his life. You can think of it as somebody who I work with a bunch of people. Um, I'm sure many people do that are all about overtime. They're all about working to get that extra dollar and they never use any vacation time. They're just constantly wanting to work, work, work before you know it. Your life is passed. You come to retirement. You, your kids have grown up. You've spent no time with your kids, with your family doing these things because you're earning, working for that, that money, but who suffers in this? You know, the, the, the people that, you know, are closest to you, um, they may have some money. We see this in other examples, you know, where there's uh, people who are very wealthy and they give their children all this kind of wealth and goods, but the relationship is very strained. They don't really know their dad or their mom. It's just, here, let's give them, buy them things. You know what I mean? All right, so let's move on. Where are we at? Verse 19. Uh, yeah, 19 and... All right, 19 and 20. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. Those of a crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. 
I mean, we can see here, God hates wickedness. Those who choose to go wicked, to choose wickedness, are against God. They're, you know, they're, an, they're vessels of destruction in that way. But God delights in those who obey him. And we see this even in the Christian life. When you sin, you get disciplined. It becomes hard. There may even be times in which you may feel a lack of faith. But those who understand that he is ready to forgive them of their sins, that he is faithful and just, and they push and continue into more holiness as God changes them, their delight. And, and God delights in them. And they have favor from God um, in this life. And it's, you know, we've mentioned it. It's not going to necessarily be something that is physical, but God gives them peace. They're, they can feel like smoothing on a on a non-moving on a on a glassy sea though the storm rages around them they're not throwing off and there's there's benefits in that and so we look sin destroys but those who walk blamelessly before the lord prosper and they, we they we grow. see that I'm sorry. We see that here in, in verse 21 uh, as well. Or no. Yeah, verse 21 moving on there is, <clears throat> Be assured an evil person will not go unpunished, uh, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. And we've, we've, you, that's what you were speaking of right there, and, and we've kind of been talking about throughout this, this proverb. Um, this next one here I, I do want to kind of talk about here is, Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Right? And so I was kind of looking into this before I was even talking to my brother before uh, the show. And I was like, man, I was, I was reading this and I was really kind of digging into this, but you know, it, it just goes to show that like this woman who is lost in, or has this sense of uh, immodesty. Uh, she's maybe forsaken her husband, embracing the worldly lust, her desires. Uh, it's like a pig that has a gold in its snout that just returns or, or goes in and just gets into the mire and the mud and the, uh, the, the dung and all that, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a, a particularly loose woman either. It could right. just be uh, a woman who does not act becomingly as well. Um, a womanly thing about like feminism, uh, is naturally unattractive. Uh, you see a, see a uh, pretty lady, and she opens up her mouth and starts uh, starts on the feminism trip. She instantly becomes less attractive because she's not acting with that with that inner beauty that we hear about in First um, Peter, the, the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Um, so it kind of like overrides almost. 
takes a thing of beauty and makes it like a swine in the mud, like you said. Yeah. Or even if she's, I don't know what, what yeah. All right. So what I'm going to do here, because we've kind of come down to uh, the end of our, our normal time, we did get a little bit of a late start, but I'm just going to go ahead and we're going to just pull out. This is what I'll say. If you guys want to speak on any of the from verses uh, 23 on to verse 31, we'll just pull this out. We read it in the beginning, but if there's any verses here that you guys would want to speak on. Uh, so that we can kind of wrap up uh, this chapter here tonight. And, uh, you know, so within the next 15 minutes or so, you know, and, and the program. So I'll read them. I'll just, I'll just read them. And then you guys can, we can talk about it, I guess, of whatever sticks out. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another with, withholds what he should give and only scoffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever troubles in his own household, yeah, whoever troubles in his own household will inherit the wind. Uh, but the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. Starting kind of verse 23 through 27, um, here in the commentary, kind of spot looking at, um, causes in Ecclesia, we see that with the desires of riches and good, the expectation of the wicked is wrath, but the diligent seeks, whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor and evil will come to himself, will comes to him who searches for it. But within this idea of the righteous desiring good, the wicked receiving wrath is this idea of how this plays out when we consider about our possessions our money. The one who gives, as it says here, grows richer, but the one who hoards, who keeps, is the one who is hated. And, and we we see this today. I'm going to use a biblical example first. Let's think about Jacob, or Joseph, in Egypt. He has the... He understands what the visions were given to Pharaoh. He sets up the plan in order to um, be able to feed everyone. And they have abundance. Now, for the sake of considering this, what would have happened if Joseph was like, no, we're not going to sell it to anyone else. It's only for us. Well, the nations would have frowned upon it. Like, he's not this good example. And if we even do this today, when like multi-millionaires don't freely give their money away to charities now obviously there is tax incentives now and so they do this basically to serve themselves and in, in to save taxes which i don't blame them because i do the same thing in different ways but 
if they were to not give any of their money away, they would have been frowned upon in society. What are you going to do with all this money? Like, people have this and understand this. But I think it, it shows in what we should consider is how we use our money and how God uses that. That we can, in giving freely, as the New Testament tells us to do, that that is what is good. We are to help others. We are to be a blessing to others in what we do. And that if we if we just keep in store, then there's a sense in which that's all a prideful way in which all we want. And so really the desires of of the righteous kind of in this and dealing with the money is how do I help others? How do I help grow others? And that comes back in benefits and riches and maybe not riches in a physical sense, but as kind of modern thinkers would say, a more fulfilled life and how we would say would be a life that is, as gracious as God who has been gracious to us. Yeah. Nathaniel, anything uh, stand out to you in these last verses that we read? I don't know. 31 is a good eschatological hope. Uh, if the righteous will be rewarded in the earth, uh, how much more the wicked and the sinner. Um, so we believe that God does, uh, you know, reward us as it were. Um, gives to every man according to his works um, that we do inherit. Of course, the works of Christ is our righteousness. Still through Christ, our works are able to be seen as good and pleasing aroma to God, uh, which we feel is delight on us. Um, more so if um, the righteous are rewarded according to their works, how much more the wicked and the sinner so I don't know if lately I've been fairly distressed about the wickedness of the wicked. And it's a good reminder that the God who sees um, will give to everybody uh, according, according to their due. And, you know, you can trust them. I don't know. That, that's what jumped out of me in this moment. Yeah. I think verse 29, um, we'll, we'll talk about that and then wrap this up. Well, it says, whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind and the fool will be a be servant to the wise of heart. And and I look at this one here, you know, he that trouble his own household, you know, your family, your wife, your children. If you are bitter towards them or if you are provoking them to wrath, uh, as it says, you know, you shall inherit the wind. I mean, it's nothingness. It's 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 empty. You get nothing out of that, uh, except maybe children who want to. If you're provoking them to anger, what are you doing in that? Except maybe turning them from any type of relationship, or any, or turning them from wanting to desire to to seek after the Lord. You know what I mean? And so this should be something we can we consider as Christian parents, uh, and and even with your wife, how how you're treating your wife. Uh, within within your home, uh, are you bitter towards her? Are you provoking her to wrath? Are you 
trying to build her up or are you tearing her down? Those, those things, if you do those things, you're going to have uh, nothing in your home. You know what I mean? You're, you're going to have, you still may have a marriage, you still may have children, but you're not going to have any value from those relationships. You know? Yeah. All right. So that's uh, G220 Radio. We kind of got off track in the beginning with some technical difficulties, trying to get back on a roll here uh, and finish this out. And uh, that's been Proverbs chapter 11. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, we would love to hear from you at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, that's g220radio at gmail.com. Again, we would just love to hear any feedback you have. Uh, subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on uh, Podbean there or whatever podcast catcher that you may listen to if you just listen to the audio. Uh, and follow us on Facebook and uh, keep up to date with what we got going on. This week, we'll have an extra show on Friday night. We're going to be talking about Calvinism. Uh, with uh, my guest will be Christopher Connor, uh, who's been on the show before, and Dan Beitzel, who's a brother that uh, evangelizes with us out on the streets here in Ohio area. And so uh, he's also been on the show and he's also been on the show as well. And so uh, you're going to want to tune in Friday night. That'll be an extra episode this week. Uh, and then next week, which was supposed to be Proverbs 11, but I kind of mixed it up, uh, will be uh, the 1689 chapter 21. That was supposed to be tonight, but that'll be next week. I got it mixed up and looked at my calendar after I had already told you guys Proverbs 11, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I mixed them up. So good to go. Anyways, uh, so next week we'll be on Chapter 21 of the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. This Friday, as I said, we will have a special show dealing with a discussion on Calvinism. And uh, then I think we got following that on the 22nd, we're going to be talking about Roman 7 and the Christian and then uh, the 29th, um, we'll see what we're going to do on that that show there. But that's been G220 Radio for tonight. I hope that's been a good show and edifying for you, encouraging. Till next time, God bless and good night.